Hi everyone, this is Joe Waters, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio, being brought to you, of course, by Selfish Giving, Cause Marketing Forum, and OneBillionShirts.org. And today, you have to check out the post that I have on my blog, Selfish Giving Today, talking about uh, One Billion Shirts and how their organization was created and some of the great things that they're doing for nonprofits. But before we talk about anything, we have to introduce Megan Strand. Hey, Megan. Hey, Joe. How's it going? All right? It is excellent. Sun shining on the West Coast. It's all good. Wow. That's unusual. I know. So you're doing all right. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited we have a West Coast guest with us today as well. Oh, I know. That's good. But she's in, but you know, you're in like, I don't know. I'm not a West Coaster. I'm a North North Pacific Northwest Coaster. You know, (laughs) Meryl Lee Marks, who is uh, the author of The Giving Game, Surviving Philanthropy Schemers, Dreamers, and Volunteer Vixens, Come Hell or High Heels, is on the line with us today. Hey, Marilee. Hi, how are you? I'm so glad to be here. Oh, no, it's, it's great to have you here. Thanks for joining us. So, and I love your tagline that you are the conscious philanthropist. Yes, I am. I'm kind of watching and seeing and uh, observing what's yep. going on in our, in our country, that, in our, it, with, with the concept of having to realign the whole idea of philanthropy. Very good. So uh, tell us about The Giving Game. That's our first step here to hear more about this new book. Is the book out already or is it coming out? It will be coming out. We're hoping. Okay. We're hoping shortly. <laughs> okay, very good. <laughs> gotta so get that. Us, you know. So tell get us that about going. The- well, the book. Okay, the book deals with how people use philanthropy for other than altruistic means. It also Ooh, deals with women. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, it's selfish giving. No, that's the name of my blog. So I mean, that's, that's <laughs> absolutely. So we, 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 this whole thing goes together. But, um, and it also deals with women and how women have populated philanthropy since the beginning of time as a power structure, and then how it turns into mean girls with designer bags and checkbooks and goes into a whole other realm. Well, I'm curious to know why you wrote this book. It sounds to me like this is something near and dear to your heart. So what what was it that tipped you enough over the edge to write this book? It sounds like you've got a lot of passion there. Oh, well, you're 100% right. Um, I'm very involved in philanthropy, volunteering, and giving throughout my whole life with my family on the East Coast and on the West Coast. And when I started to get into philanthropy again, as I, was, uh, as I had children, the PTA, and then arts organizations and community things, um, I started to see a different level of behavior that reminded me of high school. I just saw how hard it was to get things done in certain arenas and how people were vying for the social currency of recognition. And um, it had nothing to do with money, but it had a lot to do with power. Mm-hmm. and how you're perceived. And the whole way that um, it got structured from a corporate governance and into like this mean girl high school click thing. Mm-hmm. And I heard it from women over and over and over again. And friends, commiserating girlfriends would call you, what do I do about this? And it just became enough. And I just said, you know what? Someone has to talk about this and it's going to be me. Uh, I mean, it sounds like it sounds all so catty. <laughs> Well, you know what? It really is, and it's behavior that women really need to discard right now, and it's like very upsetting that in this day and age, when we have so much emancipation and so much freedom to do as we choose, that they still have behavioral attitudes that liken back to, like, you know, indentured, uh, indentured slavery and women as chattel. 
Mm -hmm. So tell us about the, the, the movers and shakers. So you've got four groups that you talk about in the book. Okay, well, these are kind of, these are my archetypes. We have the socialista, the faux philanthropista, the philanthropista, and the altruista. I relate to the altruista, which is the one that's doing it for the, for the greater good, is willing to roll up her sleeves and, like, either fold the napkins at a gala if need be, or address the envelopes, or run whatever errands, and also, you know, do the other hard work that's involved in raising money. Um, you've got the faux philanthropist. Pista, she'd like to be the big time stuff, but she's not, and she wishes she had the money to be it. It would help her a lot more. And then we have the um, philanthropista, who's kind of like the queen bee and the society gal, who for generations her family has had this like standing and in, in the community and whatnot, and really doesn't have to do that much. She's already That's there. Megan. That's <laughs> Megan. Definitely. That's Megan. Megan. And then oh, there's yeah. the socialista, and she will go to the opening of an envelope. <laughs> So, you know, you've got all these different characters. That's me. I'm That's a socialist. You. you are. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm anywhere where someone has a big check. Like, <laughs> I mean, literally a big check. With your right? hand out. <laughs> so how, yeah. how, do, how do these archetypes in the real world, I, I honestly think that Joe and I are not in, in this realm, and probably many of our listeners aren't, but explain to us, and we do have a lot of nonprofit listeners who probably understand this archetype better than we do. But explain to us how some of these more harmful personalities get in the way. If, if this, is akin, this is akin to bullying, okay? And when with, older, with, old, with adults, we call it relational aggression or indirect aggression. So they use this process of mean girls, and they freeze out the good people. And they turn people away from the charities because they say, I can't deal with this group of people. I can't get anything done. They, mm. My way or the highway. Mm -hmm. So it turns into like this high school clique and the charities mm -hmm. suffer and, um, you know, and the people in the organizations don't get the help that they need. And it really skews the whole idea of volunteerism mm -hmm. completely. Are we, I mean, are we talking about like a gala that this happens at, like when you're talking about turning people away, how does that happen exactly? Well, it's like, it can happen in a gala or any event that you're planning because you can think of the committee, the gala committee will become your foster family because you will have like a, an intense six to nine month period where you will be closely involved with these people, speaking to them every day. And if you don't have a good working relationship with them and they're not open to your ideas, you could get freezed out. You could get shunned. Mm. They use mm -hmm. these mean girl techniques to get you out of the loop. Anybody who went to high school or middle school is familiar with this stuff. Women particularly understand it because it's covert, it's under the radar, and um, it's not meant to be blatantly in your face, and only other women get it. Huh. It, you know, but in some ways, though, Merle, isn't this just life? I mean, isn't this the way things operate? In turn, and maybe we need to just learn the, to play the game better as opposed to changing the rules? Um, well, it isn't just life. I think that there mm -hmm. is good behavior, there's bad behavior, and people have a lot of reasons for doing things that they do other than the greater good. Mm -hmm. And so we need to get people to, like, step aside, put their, their, their needs and desires aside, and really just go for the greater good, the common good of society or whatever their cause is, and include mm -hmm. everyone. Mm -hmm. So that, people That's should... where we're going to succeed. So people should be unselfish. You would like that. But the real world, of course, is not like that. People are looking to, you know, create pillars, become pillars of the community. Mm -hmm. 
and so on. And, um, and you know, be the, it, look, you got these women out there who want to be the 50-year-old it girl. We don't know right. if that really exists, but they, this, this is the thing. They want to be photographed. They want to be in the local magazines, you know, that, 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 uh, that showcase all the social ev events in each city. Uh, they want to make themselves into something that they're not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How, how I, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this a little bit. So yeah. if I'm an executive director of a nonprofit or I'm a board right. member of a nonprofit, do I know right. this is happening or am I completely oblivious? You would be completely oblivious because this doesn't go on all the time at the higher level. If you're on a board, you usually have one big wealthy person who's donating a lot and that person gets to control the board. Mm -hmm. And people go along with it. There is some thought, but on a re on a on a different level, on the committee level, a smaller organization with this a bunch of women together, they behave totally differently. Men don't mm -hmm. behave like this. Mm -hmm. Women need acceptance. They need to, they need validation, and they need to belong to the group. And otherwise, they don't function as well. Now, not mm -hmm. all women, but this is something I've seen systematically and symptomatically all over the place. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. how, I mean, so I guess the, the, the brunt of the conversation that is important is how, how do you change that? I mean, I know Joe's saying we're never going to change it. This is just how people are because that's how he is. But how, <laughs> how, do you, how, do you change the, how do you change the tides with, with a dynamic like that? And is that who the altruista is supposed to be? Is that who you are? I mean, have you seen nasty trends like this being reversed or is this just how it is and you're trying to call a spade a spade? I'm trying to call a spade a spade, and I think awareness is the, the first step to getting anything changed. And the philanthropic community at large, at least in the United States, and actually in, in, in England and in New Zealand and Australia, where I've been tracking different volunteer groups and what they report, that we want to have a more open, altruistic approach. We want transparency. We want to know what's going on on every level. We, it doesn't need to be like a private club. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It doesn't Do you think, need to be only for a couple of people. You think, Marilyn, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm often interested too is like, you know, people act different ways depending on the urgency of a particular issue. Like, and I think, you know, raising money for schools or something that we do every day. But, you know, when a big issue comes along, we tend to pull together and we kind of set aside some of those selfish traits that we have because we realize that we need to work together for the common good. You know, I even think about like, you know, during World War II and, you know, the different things that we would do there to make sure the troops had supplies and armaments and all these different things and stuff like that is, you know, is a lot of this just because of a lack of urgency or a lack of perceived urgency out there? No, I think it's just personal selfishness. When we have a huge emergency, we're all galvanized. We all yeah, have, right. uh, you know, family, friends. We, we're affected by it, no matter where it is, whether it was 9-11 or mm -hmm. Hurricane Sandy or an earthquake in Northridge or a tsunami in, you know, in, in Thailand. We, we are affected by these massive events because we have empathy and, and it's like, and the whole world is affected. So yeah. it draws us in, it sweeps us in, it's a wave that, that, that affects everyone. But when mm -hmm. you get down to like the smaller day-to-day -day things, yeah. the stuff that goes on is, you know, people are taking it for granted. They're just looking, well, I want my name in the program, and yeah, I right. did this, and I did that. Well, meanwhile, you did nothing. Right, right. <laughs> and it's, it all becomes kind of like petty and, you know what I mean, very self-serving and stuff like that. Well, what happens is the altruistas and the philanthropistas who are interested in the greater good of the actual charity or cause will, mm -hmm. will swoop in 
and fix up or clean up whatever the damage is if they know about it mm -hmm. uh, before it happens. And then that other person will try and grab all the credit for it. And there's not uh, much you can do. There's not uh, much you can do. May, uh, because you know, indirect aggression is something that happens with that it's so under, it's so covert that you don't know what's going on. There's whispering behind your back. There's giving you the wrong information. There's shunning and leaving you out. There's ignoring you. These are all mean girl tactics. Rosalind mm -hmm. Wiseman, who I really love, who wrote that book, Mean Girls, described mm -hmm. the whole thing. When I read that book and I thought about what was going on, I said, oh, my goodness, we've all just, nobody has, nobody's changed. It's just, mm -hmm. I said, it's, it's, um, we're just, we just have checkbooks and designer bags now. You know, Marilee, when I go to Cause Market and Forum every year, do you believe that Megan doesn't even talk to me? <laughs> I mean, that's, she, she excludes me. Right. You know, compared she to everyone else. I'm such a mean girl. I'm that's such a mean right. girl. That's right. She's such a, she's such a mean girl. She makes me carry her bag into the hotel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, you know, just all these things, you know, you think you have a relationship with someone during the year and then they just turn on you like that. Well, you know, when you're a celebrity of high, of high marks, it's, it's hard. It's hard to yeah. be at Well, the you know, you're going to have to read my book to figure it out. I guess you know? so. Well, I, I, and I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't know you needed it so badly. <laughs> I would have sent you, uh, just, you know, a, a, not a copy. Deals. It's yeah. just not heels. It's a flats, you know? <laughs> Hey, I, wear, I wear heels at the conference, Joe. He's yeah, making right. fun of me again. I, yeah, I, I do want I do want to go back to the solutions. I mean, you're talking about you're, you're trying to bring attention. You're trying to, to bring awareness to this this effort. But in an ideal world, how would this be reversed or stopped? And my other question is, if I am an executive director or a board member, what are symptoms that this is happening in my organization? That's really good. Well, you know what? Um, I think that the people who are actually the employed directors of organizations really see this more pointedly because they, they, they are responsible for everything. When you've got a charity run by just all volunteers, mm -hmm. things like drop off to the side. They don't know, you don't know what's happening because the volunteers aren't invested in the same way that somebody who is on salary and there is their day-to-day -day job. Yep. And what you need to do is really oversee these things. Now, in my book, I talk about how the people that you get involved with, you should be really clear about what their mission is, what they're doing, how they're doing it, and if you agree with it or not. Can you work with these people? Yep. You know, or is like 10 minutes with them having coffee just like enough and you'd like to leave the room? This is not the place for you. Yep. Well, and it goes so, back to nonprofits having to be selective. I mean, it, sometimes, excuse my expression, well, I'm not even going to say it. There is <laughs> sometimes nonprofits gonna, and directors again. will do, I wasn't going to swear, I was just going to use a bad word, which I'm going to avoid, will prostitute themselves out for a big check. And that's the, the piece that you have to be a little bit cognizant of. And I think that's partially what you're saying, Marilee, is, is you have to be careful about the personalities that you're attracting or bringing to the organization just because they have a big checkbook may not be in the best interest of your organization. Right, and how much are they going to want to be in control of your organization for their money? Is this a gift with purchase type of attitude? You know, there's some, there are people that are very aware that if they give, that they're entitled to a certain amount of, like, privilege. Mm -hmm. And what that might be might be detrimental to your plans or your events. So you really have to be careful about this. Now, see, this people... brings up a good point, though, Marilee. Listen to this, yeah. though. This is why I love cause marketing. 
because the nature of cause marketing in businesses and nonprofits working together is about getting a little bit of money from a lot of people in most instances. It's about getting, you know, change, a dollar or two or what have you, you know, a few bucks from the sale of a product and stuff like that. And it isn't about these big donors. I mean, that's I love the democracy of cause marketing. Do you agree, Megan? Absolutely, I do. But I, I do think that nonprofits have to diversify and they have to get funding from everyone. And mm -hmm. th it's sort of like working with celebrities, right? There is a lot of visibility that comes with working with celebrities. However, if you choose the wrong celebrity, you could be regretting that decision for a long time. And yeah. I think what Mary Lee is trying to point out is nonprofits mm -hmm. also have to be selective about who their philanthropists and their donors may be because there yeah. is some, there are some unwritten rules that go along with writing a big check sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and it sounds to me like Mary Lee's making a point that some of this stuff flies under the radar a little bit because it's... Uh, it's not necessarily at the board level. Um, yeah. uh, Marilee, are, are, do these things happen in large organizations, in small organizations, or it does happens, it not it matter? It happens everywhere. That's why I was so compelled to write this. It happens on every level. You can be at the opera at the $50,000 receipt table. You can be at the church potluck bringing over your famous macaroni and cheese. <laughs> okay? And there'll be yeah. some woman standing there going, that, like saying, with the attitude of, I have a PhD in arranging like potluck dinners. Please step aside. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> so, um, there's always somebody that knows better. Now, what I have devised to work on this problem, and it is in my book, is I have devised a volunteer bill of rights so that mm -hmm. the person yeah. who is volunteering yeah. or donating or whatever outfit they would like to be in, read this. Get a handle on what's going on. It's some of the things we've been discussing, but it really helps to have that awareness level, what to look for, because mm -hmm. if you don't know, you don't always see it. Right. Mm. So is it like, thou shall not be a diva? <laughs> Um, that, that, that's one of the basic tenets we all try yeah, to subscribe yeah. to. <laughs> well, Megan says that to me every week. Thou shall not be a diva on today's show. That's right. You know? I think that's only on Thursdays we do that. So today it's okay, Megan. <laughs> no, we, we, we reserve one day of the week because being a diva has a lot of, you know, it's a lot, a lot of, of good points, too. That's right. That's well, so, I mean, so is, is this incumbent on volunteers to spot and run from or i mean whose responsibility everyone. is this yeah well it's it is it's your responsibility to volunteer because it's your reality that you need that you, you need to make sure is a good one for you and you need to see if you're in the right place if it feels uncomfortable if, you, if the people are not welcoming if it's it, you know you're probably right trust your instincts you know, if you want to, a lot of times you join a group and they don't want to change anything that they do. Oh, this is the way we did it the last right, time. And then right. the proverbial binder comes out, which I could throw up from. And um, it's got like, it's got like no information in it, but like a couple of bill, like bills from the last event. And, um, you know, there's no information for anybody new to come in and take over this job. Like, how is it done? Mm -hmm. And it's like a secret. Why is it a secret? <laughs> So, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's kind of like this crazy hierarchy mm -hmm. that's kept in place. And, and well, why I think should what's it good, like that? I think what's good, what you've done, Marilee, though, is you've really kind of identified it. You've given it some labels. You know what I mean? To, of what oh, people can look for. Because I think in a lot of instances we see this stuff, but we don't always pinpoint it. And I think maybe your book could really help people point, pinpoint some of these traits and then have, it sounds like you offer some really great specific actions too that people could take. 
You know, I think that the more you know, the better you are. Knowledge is power. Mm. And these are very confusing circumstances because, you know, in our society, if you give money, especially if you give large sums of money, you're a good person. Yeah. You're a good guy. Right. It, 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 nobody asks you where the money comes from, how did you yep. get it. It's yep. like, thank you for your million dollars, and now we're going to put you up on a pedestal, photograph you, and tell everybody in the community how great you are. And you know who who did that lovely tactic? Bernie Madoff. Mm. How do you think everybody mm. ran to give him the money? Right. He right. donated so much of his stolen money to major <laughs> charities. He donated a million dollars to the lymphoma charity in New York, which is a very, very big, prestigious Jewish charity. Everybody said, this is a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, right. So yeah. there you go. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, right before Facebook went public, $100 million to the Newark school system. That's right. How yeah. could you be upset with him for making a billion dollars after he gave away a million dollars? You just know. go, this is a good guy, because a million dollars in most people's minds is a really large amount of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's why, except for giving a dollar at the register, I never give money away, Marilyn. <laughs> Well, you, you keep to that, and you just keep working <laughs> on, right, yeah. on this. You, uh, you know, I, for you, we're going to have an hourly program. Yeah, there right. you go. Yeah, and, 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 you know, when I die, Megan's going to give my eulogy, and she's going to tell people what I'm really like. <laughs> there you go. The man behind there the blog. Go. That's right. That's well, right. Uh, Marilee, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Her book is called The Giving Game. Marilee, where can people find out more about you if they would like to do that online? Well, I am on Twitter at Mary Lee Marks one I am on GenConnect.com as a resident expert in philanthropy. Yeah, good articles there, too, about your book, too, that people should definitely check out, Mary Lee. That would be great. I would love that. They can find out the most information on GenConnect. And, of course, I'm on Facebook as well. And, um, you know, if anybody wants to contact me or ask any questions, you can do so through these sites as well as, I think I mentioned Twitter. Yes, I did yes, mention Twitter. Yes, you did. Excellent. And we'll include that in the show notes as well. Joe, where can people find out more about you if they'd like to do that? Well, I certainly want to thank our sponsors first, uh, Cause Marketing Forum, uh, SelfishGiving.com, and also our friends at OneBillionShirts.org, where you can buy shirts, you can save great money on shirts, and also uh, the sale of every shirt, 25 cents, goes to your favorite charity. Just a great organization. And I actually have a profile on my blog today at Selfish Giving about the founder of One Billion Shirts. His first name is Albie, and he's originally from Kosovo. And it's a really interesting story about how the, uh, the organization was founded. And, of course, people can find me at SelfishGiving.com. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Waters. And, of course, check out my cause marketing Pinterest boards at Joe Waters, uh, excuse me, Pinterest.com front slash. Uh, Joe Waters. And Megan, where can people find you? Absolutely. I'm also on Twitter at Megan Strand, and I tweet for the Cause Marketing Forum at TweetCMF, and also blog for the Cause Marketing Forum at Cause Update. And on behalf of Joe and Marilee and myself, we'd like to thank you for joining us for this episode of Cause Talk Radio. We do encourage you to subscribe to Cause Talk Radio and iTunes so you don't miss an episode. Thanks so much for joining us today, and we will catch you next time on Cause Talk Radio. 